0: chapter 1 beginning at uh, verse 18. I'm going to read through verse 21. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. I think that's the most powerful phrase that is written about the birth of Jesus Christ. His purpose. The reason he was born, the reason he came down to earth and became flesh and lived among us and and grew and, and, uh, grew in wisdom and favor with everyone that knew him. The reason he came down was so that one day he would lay his life down willingly to pay the price for our sins. That was his whole purpose. And now everyone has their answer. If I were to go around the room and Say, what does Christmas mean to you? What is the meaning of Christmas? What's it all about for you? Everybody has their answer. And if you did a man-on-the-street interview type of thing, everybody would have their answers, and a lot of answers would be different. For some people, it's about, you know, family. It usually revolves around something seasonal, some kind of seasonal perspective. Jesus is the reason for the season. It's the season of love and all this. Season of family, and everybody seems to be nice. I mean, if you were out on Friday, uh, how many of you parents were surprised that kids were out of school on Friday? I was surprised that it was Friday, period. It shocked me. And when when the boys got to go on the bus, their bus driver, Rob, we work out together at the gym, he says, and John, Merry Christmas. And I thought, okay, you could say that the last day of school, you know? And come to find out, Aaron said... Did you know today's the last day of school? No. <laughs> Didn't know that. I was, I was shocked. <laughs> Teachers are the devil. No. Uh, I, was, I was shocked. And, uh, and because Christmas is on a Wednesday, I'm like, why couldn't you just give them half a day on Christmas Eve? That would have worked. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? That would have worked. That would have been great for me. I would have been just fine with that. And uh, But it kind of surprised me. But then I went out and I had some errands to run and some things to do on Friday. And everybody had the day off on Friday. Right? I mean, everybody. I don't, I don't know if anybody was working except the people at the stores and the restaurants. It was crazy, man. It was absolutely insane out there. <coughs> and if you were to ask people what Christmas is about, people would have their own different answers and everybody would have a reason that they would give. And I think personally that you can't take Christmas in a vacuum, right? You can't take Christmas as just this time of the year. Christmas, and I know we, we say, let's make it, let's make Christmas last all year long. Let's have that feeling all year long. And I think I don't know so much about the feeling of Christmas lasting all year long, but I think the purpose of Christmas, what what is Christmas all about, is, a, is something that has to be seen with a much bigger lens than simply it's this time of season. It's just this time of the year. From the very beginning, what we celebrate is a much bigger story than simply this time of year. So I think it takes A much bigger lens to get the full view of the meaning and impact of Christmas. Jesus wasn't born in human form to be Lord of Christmas. Jesus came down to earth to be so much more than that, to give us so much more than that, to offer to us so much more than that. Life seems to have so many questions and nowadays Everybody's got questions, and nobody seems to have answers, and everybody has answers to everybody else's questions, but it doesn't seem like we're all together on the same page. And it seems like there's so much confusion and so much distraction and so much discontent and so much disillusion that sometimes we don't even want to ask the questions because we're afraid of the answers. And I think even for Christians... Sometimes we get caught up in all of that. This just recent, just this past week. I, I know I'm, to some of you, it's, it's really important. To some of you, these kind of things really matter. And I apologize because I'm not, I'm not slamming on the way you, you feel about life and the way you see things. But I don't really care what an editor at a Christian magazine feels about our president. I don't really care about what other Christian leaders in our country feel about our president. What I care about is whether we, as Christians, are living lives that honor Jesus Christ. And whether or not we're show You know what we've just done? We've once again politicized Jesus. And it's so pathetic. And I look at all of this and I say, folks, we've got to bring ourselves back to what Christmas is all about, not just for this time of year, But in the macro sense of what what, what Christmas really means to all of us and the answers that it gives, I think that it is important to answer questions. I think it's important to ask questions. I think it's important to be inquisitive. But I think it's also more important that when you ask those questions, you're willing to accept the answers that come your way. And I believe that many times the reason as believers we don't ask certain questions, hard questions, is because we're afraid of what the answer truly is. I think that I believe with all my heart that Christmas holds the answers to many of life's big questions. So this morning, kind of a non-traditional Christmas message, I want to give you five questions that I believe Christmas answers for us. Maybe this morning you're struggling with something in life, something in life, whatever it may be. I posted something this morning on Facebook. Your struggle is real. And I want you to understand that I get that. And I think that most people here at this church understand that. Your struggle is real, whatever it may be. Don't ever let someone push down the importance of what you're going through in life. It may not be a big deal to somebody else, but to you it may be everything. And I know from experience watching people and watching their lives be torn down, sometimes it's the simplest things in life that we, we don't ask the question about and we don't accept the answer for. That bring us down. And the last thing I want to see in this church is people that fall away from Christ because they didn't ask the question or they didn't seek the answer. So this morning, I simply want to ask five questions and give five answers that I believe Christmas, the, the answers that Christmas gives to us. The first question is this: what is my value? What is my value? I believe at the heart of every individual, this question exists. The Bible says in the Old Testament that God has planted eternity in our hearts. There's an eternal perspective that human beings are given, as a, I believe, as a gift from God. It's a desire to seek. It's a desire to search for. Why is that important? Because we've got to seek if we're going to find Jesus. We've got to knock if we're going to get the answer. So I believe that God placed in our hearts eternity because he knew it would be important, it would be vital for us to seek that answer. And I think at the heart of that question is this question, what is my value? What am I worth? Some of you in your life have been told you're not worth much. Some of you have been treated in such a way that you've been shown you're not worth much. I remember uh, before it was politically correct not to insult children in school. <laughs> I re- how many of you remember back in the days when the teacher would actually call a kid stupid? <laughs> wow, it's kind of harsh. Anybody ever... Here's a question. Not I'm asking for a friend. Anybody, <laughs> anybody ever have an eraser thrown at them by a teacher? <laughs> Baby. Yes. And if, if not the soft side that you erase the board with, but the other side, the hard felt that has the paper on top, boy, if that corner caught you in the head, I've heard... <laughs> <laughs> I've heard from people that that hurts. That hurts. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And chalk isn't fun to get hit with either. But, uh, but we ask this question, whether we ask it out loud or we ask it to anybody else or not. What is my value? What am I worth? Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. Amazing, amazing verses about the value of a life. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret. When I was formed in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. Man. Wow. Before your your life ever started, God had your life planned out. Before your life ever started, God had a purpose for you. For each and every one of us. For you. When you read these verses, you don't need to read them for, for a political purpose. You need to read them for a personal purpose. God knew you before you were ever born. God had a plan for you before you were ever born. The next time you feel like you don't matter, remember this passage of Scripture, that God knew you and had a plan for you before your days ever started. God had your days planned out. When you find your identity in the one who created you and was born to die for you, it will change your whole perspective when you find your identity in the one who created you and was born to die for you, it will change your whole perspective. When you realize that the only reason that your life is worth living is to bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ and to build his kingdom and to reach others with the gospel of Jesus Christ, it will change your whole perspective. It will change the way you see everything. And hopefully by the grace of God and through the power of the Holy Spirit, it will change the way you live. It will change how you work. It will change how you treat other people. We, we talked last week about gifts and we talked about evangelism. And I used my wife, Erin, who isn't in here. She's, she's teaching. Um, she Ask her about the burns on her fingers from the hot glue gun making crafts for the kids. But our neighbor, Frank, came over to salt our parking lot again. We've, we've got about, we've got almost a ton of salt and sand out there. Um, this way, I, I, threw a, I threw, I don't know, like 500 pounds of salt and sand all over. It just won't melt. <laughs> um, but Frank came over, and Aaron went out to talk. With him. She, uh, her and Frank uh, talked quite a bit. And she was able to open up to Frank about her life and about some situations that Frank was going through and share Jesus Christ with him and tell him that she was here to help. We ordered, I told you, man, people with the gift of evangelism could use anything. She went out, we we ordered a pizza. Donardo's cooks for us every, they're our our (laughs) personal chef. Uh, She went up to get a pizza and Sal, who we've known forever, The owner of Donardo's started talking to her about why this time of the year is tough for her, tough for him. And Aaron was able to share Jesus Christ with Sal because of pizza. Why is that, why why does that matter? Because Aaron understands what her purpose is. And when you find your identity in Jesus Christ, when you find your value in Jesus Christ, then you'll understand your purpose is to lift him up to this world and to reach other people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is my value? John three sixteen. For God so loved the world in this way he gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. This is going to be up on the screen. I want you to listen to this carefully. The creator gets to define his creation. So when he says that you were worth dying for, he means it. Understand that. The creator gets to define his creation. So when he says that you were worth dying for, he absolutely means it. You may think that you have no value. You may think that nobody loves you. But God begs to differ because he knew the life that you had. He knew the struggle you would face and he knew what every human being needed above everything in life. He knew that every human being needed needed salvation because we're sinners. Because there's no way we could be reunited with God in heaven for all eternity without something to fix our situation. You see, we're sinners, and sin has a price to pay. The Bible says that the only price that could be paid was the death of an individual. Long story short, God sent his son Jesus to this earth. He became flesh and lived among us, lived 33 years, ministered for three years, taught, prayed, healed. And at the end of that time, he laid down his life willingly for our sins. Jesus Christ paid the price for your sins. What value do you have? What is your value? The creator of all this world, of all this universe, died for you. The creator of all things paid the price for your redemption and said the only thing required in response to that was faith in him and accepting that gift. It's Christmas time. We're, all, we're, we're going to be accepting gifts on Wednesday, right? Many people are going to be accepting gifts on Wednesday, giving gifts. Those gifts are going to have people's names on it. They become the possession of that individual when they take it, and they take possession of it. It's the same thing with salvation. Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the price for your sins. Your, your redemption is paid for but it doesn't become yours until you receive it, until you take ownership of it, until you take possession of it. What that requires is a conversation between you and God, saying, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know that there's nothing I can do to fix my sin problem, but I know that your son died on the cross to save me from my sin. I willingly receive receive that gift of eternal life, the Bible says when you confess before Jesus when you confess Jesus Christ and call on his name for salvation he gives you the gift of eternal life and you'll never lose that. What is your value? The creator of all things died for you. Christian, what does that mean? I mean that's that that preach as well, right? If you're if you're a pastor, if you're a teacher, you can preach that every Sunday. It's a great topic to preach. But what does that mean for you personally beyond religion? It means that you can live a different life. It means that you can live your life in such a way that you make a difference for others. We're going to talk about that in a minute. It means that you can live your life with value and with purpose. And your life can matter for all eternity because your life matters for eternity. What is your value? Ask Jesus. He'll let you know. The second question is this. Is there a heaven? Is there a heaven? I've had, I don't know how many conversations I've had this week about about heaven. I, I, uh, I was getting, one of our, our anniversary gifts to each other was a new tattoo. So I got, was getting a tattoo this week and one of the guys that was sitting in there was talking to him and uh, Came up that um, Aaron got hers done before me, so the ground had been laid. She talked to them about Christ, and uh, so he found out I was a you know he knew I was a pastor, so he started talking to me about it. And he opened up to me. He says, "You know, I was an atheist until I looked at my dog." Now I got to be honest. I have never had anybody tell me (laughs) before I was an atheist until I looked at my dog. But he said, I looked at my dog and I realized everything that goes on in that animal's life, everything that makes that dog a dog could not be an accident. So there has to be a God. I wish it was that simple for everybody. (laughs) So we got, got the chance to talk a little bit more. And I think today there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of questioning about eternity and what's going to happen. And, and, and the way we believe, the faith that we believe in is so much under fire. They want to they wanna just wipe our belief off the face of the map. And everybody's got their answer for what happens when you die. And I think that, that, that boils down to this question, is there a heaven? One of my favorite movies of all time, Field of Dreams, Right? At the end of Field of Dreams, is there a heaven? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I know there's a baseball field in heaven. Got to be, right? But that's the burning question that people want to know. Even though people may not want to bring that out and may not want to say that in public, people want to know, is there life after death? Is there more than this? Stephen Curtis Chapman wrote a song about it. More, there, there's more to this life than living and dying, more than just trying to make it through the day. And that's what people are asking a question about. (sighs) Christmas answers that question. Yes, yes, there's a heaven. Faith reveals it. Oh, I knew there was a catch. That's not a catch, man. You've got to believe in something in your life, right? You've got to believe in something. Even if you believe in nothing, you believe in something. You're believing in nothing. It's not a catch-22. It's just fact. If you don't believe in... If you don't believe my way, you believe some way. You believe in some... You believe you're right in not believing in anything. But we've got to believe in something. Faith reveals to us that there is a heaven. Why does, why, why does uh, Christmas reveal that to us? Because Jesus came down from heaven to earth. He tells us that in John 6:38 John 6:38 it'll be up on the screen For I have come down from heaven Well okay There's the answer Jesus himself Well of course he's going to Once again, we go back. Faith reveals it. If you truly believe that Jesus is the Son of God, if you celebrate Christmas celebrating the birth of the Savior of the world, that's what Christmas is about, then you're saying you're giving credibility to the claims of Jesus Christ, right? I mean, that's just logical, and everybody wants to be logical about things now. So if you're going to celebrate Christmas, then you you're giving credibility to the claims of Jesus Christ. He says in John 6:38, "For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me." Jesus tells us very clearly, there's a heaven. There's a heaven to gain. For us, there's a heaven to gain. For everyone who will believe in Jesus Christ, there is a heaven. How else do we know that? Because later, he tells us he's going to prepare a place for us in heaven. Going back to the first question, what is your value? Oh, I, you know, sometimes I, I ask myself, what did I do to deserve this? And I'm talking about the blessings of God in my life. What did I do to deserve this? I have the privilege of of my oldest son going out to start a church. I, I didn't know if you know what that means to me. Amazing. He he gets it. I have the I, I was on my prayer drive last night, I was driving around and and my heart is just so full. Because I have an amazing wife who gets it. I have the opportunity to raise these two little crazies <laughs> that my gosh, my, uh, my world lights up. They, these two boys are just amazing. And then it's been... It, <laughs> this last three months has been a breakthrough. Jack, my grandson, who avoids me like the plague, <laughs> has run up to me and put his arms out, and I got to hug him, and he gave me a kiss, gave me a high five, <laughs> And he said to me, just kidding. <laughs> Jack Zach was like, what did he say? Because Jack's not talking yet. And, and then I've got a little Lorelei. Those are amazing blessings, man. But Jesus said in John 14, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Really? 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 Wait a minute. You came down to earth and you died for me. I mean, that's incredible. You died and paid the price for my sins so that I don't have to spend eternity in hell. Listen, I'd be satisfied. I'm totally serious, man. I'd be satisfied with a tent in heaven. But he's preparing a place for us He's preparing a place. If you've accepted him as your savior, he's preparing a place for you to live for all eternity. And if God's preparing it for you, you could be sure it's pretty nice. Not a bad, not a bad place. He says in John 14, beginning of verse 1, "'Don't let your heart be troubled. "'Believe in God, believe also in me. "'In my Father's house are many rooms. "'If not, I would have told you. "'I am going away to prepare a place for you. "'If I go and prepare a place for you, "'I will come again and take you to myself "'so that where I am, you may be also.'" I read that, and of course, I'm reading that with a little bit of license. (sighs) But it's like when you make a... when you plan a surprise party for somebody, right? Right? You're the one that makes all the preparation. You get everything together, cook all the food or have somebody cook the food and, you know, the cake and everything. And you make all the plans and you get all the people together and you've got the whole, you decorate, you've got the whole place set up. And then what do you do? You go find the person who the party is for and you get to take them there. And you get to see the surprise on their face. You get to see the joy on their face. You get to see how they respond to it. I feel like that's what Jesus is saying here. Listen, man, I've got a I'm I'm making a I'm preparing a place for you. And then I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna take you there. Because I want to see just how much surprise there is in your face. Is there a heaven? Absolutely. Another question. The Christmas answers for us is this. Can one life make a difference? Can one life make a difference? You think about it. Why did God choose this way to redeem humanity? Couldn't he have done something else? I mean, it's more... Now, don't get me wrong. Jesus laying down his life for us and going through all of that to pay the price for our sins is incredible. But he came down and became human. The creator of life itself chose to come to earth and put himself in the body of a human being. And I, I believe with all my heart that Jesus, even when he was in the womb, had full understanding of who he was. I don't think, I don't think the, the teaching that, that Jesus had to discover who he was, it, that's just, to me that's just wrong, okay? I believe Jesus always knew who he was. Man, he came down and became human and put physical human limitations On himself just like we have all to show us all to show us that one human life can make a difference one human life can make a difference because Jesus did he struggled he he dealt with hunger he dealt with pain He dealt with sleeplessness. He dealt with homelessness. The Bible says that Jesus said to those who wanted to follow him, I don't even have a place to lay my head. Yet and still, in spite of all the circumstances he had to face, Jesus made a difference with his one solitary life. Can one life make a difference? Absolutely. Absolutely. John 1, 1 through 3, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that had been created. One life can make more than a difference. After all that he had done there in creating everything, he came down and became human became flesh and lived among us, to show us that one life can make a difference. What difference can your one life make? This whole year has been about each one reach one. That's been our theme this year, each one reach one. And it's been exciting to hear people talk about breaking out of that shell and and actually talking to others about their faith. It's been awesome to hear reports of people telling others about Jesus. Your life can make a difference. And let me tell you the the difference that your one life can make. Your life can be the connection between earth and heaven for someone. Maybe it could be phrased this way. Maybe another answer could be one life needs to make a difference. Because in our area, in our community, there are people that are lost and dying and on their way to hell. They celebrate this holiday coming up on Wednesday without full understanding or knowledge of why we celebrate it. They, they repeat the words to some of these Christmas carols and they talk about the Savior of the world and they don't understand what they're talking about. <clears throat> they, they love the song, Mary Did You Know, is one of the most popular Christmas songs around. Yet they don't understand the full meaning of that song because they've never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. And many times the reason they've never accepted Christ as their Savior is because they've never heard the true story about Jesus Christ. Right here, remember, we live in the third least evangelized metropolitan area of the country, the number one unchurched metropolitan area in the country. No other place in the United States of America is more unchurched than the Springfield Holyoke metropolitan area. We're not going to be sending out our assistant pastor to plant the church just because he wants to be in charge. We're sending him out to reach an area that needs Jesus. An area that's not hearing about him right now. Do you realize that there are people that go through their day? There are people who have been born, raised, lived, had their families, raised their families, retired and died in our area that never heard the truth about Jesus Christ? Do you understand that? When we talk about one life making a difference, it's not talking about helping a little old lady across the street, which is a worthy, worthy cause. We're talking about sharing the faith of Jesus Christ with people who don't know him. People who have been lied to all their lives about who Jesus is and what he came here for. That's the difference one life needs to make a surrender to Jesus Christ. Each one can reach one. Question number four is this. Can I trust? Can I trust? Dot, dot, dot. Because it's not a question of can I trust so and so, or can I trust that, or can I trust this, uh, can I trust whatever? It's can I trust, period. Can I trust? The greatest breakdown in society is when people no longer trust. When these were these were delivered, they were they were said to be delivered on Friday, but all we got were, the the only thing that came in was the stool. So I called, and they said, oh, yeah, they marked it as delivered, but it, it wasn't. But it's going to be delivered. They still have it. It's going to be delivered on Monday. It ended up right after I got off the phone, it was on the porch. But I had to, I had to say to them, it's, it's a, terrible, such a, a terrible world we live in, isn't it? When I had to say, the reason I called is because in our town, we have porch pirates going around and stealing packages that people have ordered for others. I, I got to be honest with you. I, li- I, th- I think to myself, what kind of person does that? I, that's just my, just my thought. It's not stealing an apple to feed your family. But anyway, but it's no wonder that we ask that question. Can I trust, can I trust anything? Can I trust anything at all? Is there anything that I can put my trust in? The answer is yes. And I believe the answer is yes because God can use anything for his glory. Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. You say, well, how can a loving God allow this to happen? So many people are saying, there's no way I can believe in a God. There's no way I can believe in a Bible that says, that, that allows this kind of stuff to happen. And we can get into a the whole theological argument about it that God gave us free will and we choose our own way. We choose our own destination. And it's not God, God pronouncing judgment. It's you choose, making bad choices. But be that as it may. People ask that question, can I... Can I choose? And even, even Christians, I mean, maybe you're going through something right now in your life. Maybe it's a financial struggle. Maybe it's a, a family struggle. Maybe it's a marriage that's collapsing. Maybe your health is struggling. You're saying, can I trust anything? Can I really trust God through this? And he says in Romans 8, 28, yes, you can. Because everything that happens in your life is something that I can use to make you better to make you stronger. And yes, it, may, it might have been painful for you to go through, and it might be something that you have to deal with for a long time, but I can use that to reach someone else who is going through the same thing. I can use that to reach someone else who is struggling with the same thing. Can I trust? Can I trust God? Absolutely you can trust Him, because He has your best interest at heart. Can I trust Yes. Why? Because grace can heal your hurt and your pain. Because grace can heal your hurt and your pain. The only reason grace doesn't, hurt, doesn't heal your hurt and pain is because you do not use it. You do not appropriate it. You do not apply grace in your life. Because Jesus says, I want to heal you. I want to strengthen you. I want to bring you through this. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Paul was struggling with with a personal affliction, whatever it was. We don't know what his quote-unquote thorn in the flesh was, but he was struggling with it. And it was so difficult to deal with that he prayed and he asked God three times in deep, honest prayer, God, heal me from this. Take this away from me. God's reply was, no, I won't. But my grace is sufficient for you for my power is perfected in weakness therefore i will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that christ's power may reside in me one of the reasons we don't see much vic- see victory over many things or through many things in our lives is because we're ashamed Listen, I'm not saying we go around and brag about what we used to do and where we've been, but we bra- we should brag on the grace of God that's brought us out of that. Because of the grace of God, I'm not what I was. Because of the grace of God, I'm on my way to doing something better. My life matters. I'm making a difference. Because of the grace of God, I'm doing something of value for all eternity with my life. God's grace is sufficient for you. Listen, many times it comes down to people. And while serving God, you can't avoid people, but the grace of God can change the way you see people. The grace of God can change the way you see people. And that's what we need. That's what we need. We need, remember the Bible talks many places about how we need the, the mind of Christ. We need to see through the eyes of Jesus, see this world through the eyes of Jesus. Not as people who disagree with us, not as people who hate what we stand for, not as people who, who, uh, who decry the morality that we, we choose to live with, but people who need Jesus more than they could ever know. That's how we're supposed to see this world. It's the grace of God that can heal. Listen, you want to heal America? (laughs) Pray that God will will spread his grace over the lives of his children and those children will accept it and apply it to their lives. Because the grace... Listen, now, I'm just going to say it. I won't use political party names. I'll say this. Conservatives, God can cause you to see a liberal as someone for whom Christ died. And liberals, God can cause you to see a conservative as someone for whom Christ died. And that's how we're supposed to see them. We're not supposed to see them as political opponents on the opposite side of the spectrum because quite honestly, in heaven, there are no Democrats. There are no Republicans. There are no libertarians. There is no Green Party. Thank God. (laughs) I didn't say that. In heaven, there's us and Jesus. Lastly, Does fear have a cure? Man. This is personal, man, because I've been struggling with this. Does fear have a cure? There is so much in life, so much in life that brings fear. And I'm not a, honestly, I'm not a guy that's afraid of too much. I'm just that stupid to think that I'll stand up to anybody. I'll stand up to anything. I was watching, True TV has a couple shows that I love. They have Impractical Jokers, which is like the greatest show in the history of mankind. (laughs) But they also have um, like these, the 20 most stupid people, 20 most stupid partiers, and all the, there was this kid dressed up in a Captain America suit, okay? He's got a Captain America shield, right? And he's standing there, and there's a pickup truck that his friends, I'm not lying, man, this is true. His friends put a mattress on the front of the truck. (laughs) And he was gonna stand, there, he was gonna be Captain America. But he wasn't, he was like Captain Awesome or something like that, right? They drove the pickup truck into this kid, (laughs) shield and all, (laughs) and no lie. He's laying there like, oh. Dude, that's dumb, Okay, I'm sorry, I don't know what to say. That's that's stupid. (laughs) Go figure, a mattress didn't stop the pain. Come on. I'm not that stupid. But I've never in my life really been afraid. And as I get older, and as I see what is going on, and I see family, and I see just different things, boy, that fear can creep in. And I say, God, does fear have a cure? Does fear have a cure? Yes. Yes, fear has a cure. It's Jesus. Jesus is the cure to your fear. Jesus conquers your fear. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to be paralyzed by anxiety. Jesus promises that trusting him will calm your heart. You may not know what the future holds, but you know that Jesus holds the future. And that's all that matters. You may not know what the future holds, but you do know that the future holds, that Jesus holds the future. And that's what should matter to you. (laughs) It all depends on whom you choose to trust with your fear. Remember, fear is irrational, but Jesus isn't, right? Fear is irrational. But Jesus isn't. So it all depends on who you choose to trust with your fear, with your anxiety. Psalm 27:1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom should I dread? Boy, that's cool, isn't it? Because the Bible tells us we should tear down our strongholds, and now we allow Jesus to be our stronghold. We tear down what we trust in and put our trust and faith in him and he overcomes our fears. Isaiah 41, verses 10 through 13. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. Be sure that all who are enraged against you will be ashamed and disgraced. Those who contend with you will become as nothing and will perish. You will look for those who contend with you but will not find them. Those who war against you will become absolutely nothing, for I am the Lord your God." who holds your right hand, who says to you, do not fear. I will help you. Those are powerful, amazing verses. I've claimed them at at dark times in my life. And the the greatest part to me is that part where it says, I hold your right hand. I hold your hand. Man, there is nothing cooler. Remember when Zach was a little boy and we'd be out somewhere. <laughs> I'd feel this little hand reach up and grab a hold of mine. And it was cool, because he was trusting me, and he didn't have to fear because I had a hold of his hand. Now I have two eight-year-olds, and we'll be walking down the mall, and because of their history or whatever, they're not always the ones that run around. They're in fearful situations. So they'll grab my hands and we'll be walking down the the mall and I've got my hands gripped to theirs and they feel safe. And I know that as I go through life, if I allow Jesus to hold my hand, I'll be safe. I don't have to fear because he's in control. 1 Peter 5, 7 Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Some of you right now are struggling with things that you just can't deal with. And you say that every day, I can't deal with this. I just can't deal with it. I can't keep dealing with this. Have you tried to throw it on Jesus yet? Have you tried? That doesn't say ask him if he'll give you a hand. It says, throw your anxiety onto Jesus. Throw it on him. Cast it on him. And he will take it because he cares for you. All Christian, does fear have a cure? Yes, it does. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Bring it all back to the illogical topic of the day in a message like this. What questions does Christmas answer for you? I hope this helps. And I hope that as we go through this time, as we go through this season, next time we come together, Christmas is going to be over. It's going to be a new year almost. I hope that the answers that Christmas has won't just be answers for now, but they'll be answers that you can have and apply to your life and live with and make you stronger. Listen, we've got a task ahead of us, folks. It doesn't end on December 25th or December 26th. People are dying and going to hell. The answer to their problem was born as a human being, and we celebrate that on December 25th. Let's make sure that the answers don't stop now, that they stay with us and motivate us to be the kind of followers that he wants us to be, to reach this world with his message of love, grace, and forgiveness. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your house today. Lord, thank you for all that you do for us. Thank you for sending your son to earth as a baby. Lord, I thank you that, that we get to celebrate it. I love Christmas time. Father, I pray that we'll not just celebrate Christmas at this time of the year, but God, the true meaning of it, the true answers that we get. From this time of year will continue and will motivate us and will push us on to be greater followers of you. Lord as we dismiss today would you dismiss us with your blessing. God would you grant us grace and love as we spend time with family and friends on Christmas. God may we lift you up and remember the reason that we're celebrating. It's in your precious and holy name we pray all these things.